Welcome to another episode of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Network, where listeners can learn about leadership and other related qualities from former and current successful business people, coaches, and athletes. At Talent 409, we help athletes discover their talent altitudes through workshops and seminars while increasing their opportunities for success on and off the field. In addition to athletes, we work with coaches and administrators to enhance their education on how they can positively impact the performance of their teams and programs. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all at Talent409, and connect with me on Twitter, at ColinTalent409. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. If you have time, please take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review. Help us grow and keep the podcast content strong. You will get featured on a review if you do this. But these ratings really do help others find the show and consume the content. And I appreciate you taking the time to do this, as well as being a loyal pod listener. This week's episode is with Jeff Barnes. Jeff is an athletic director at Hammond School in Columbia, South Carolina. He's a former collegiate football player with the University of South Carolina. It's a great conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it, and it's a unique perspective coming right from the mouth of an athletic director. So let's sit back, relax, get comfortable. I know it's cold up there, up north for you guys. All right, everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today I have Jeff Barnes, the athletic director at Hammond School in Columbia, South Carolina. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. It's uh, really neat for me to, to get to talk to athletic directors who are directly involved with the student-athletes and the work that I do with my company. So definitely a unique opportunity for me to get you on the line here and get you in front of our listening audience. So I want to dive right into this today and give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, tell us about who you are and what your athletic career was like growing up. All right. I grew up in a small town just south of the airport in Atlanta. Sports has always been a big part of my life. My father coached me in all my little league sports, pushed me really hard. He was one of those dads that pushed me on the on the field. And when we were off the field, it was time to go to Dairy Queen and have a milkshake. Um, <laughs> but he was a competitor. He, he, he put it upon me to be a competitor. Um, he pushed me out of my comfort zone and prepared me for high school sports. And once we reached, I reached the high school level, he turned me over to the high school coaches and, and kind of backed off and became a dad. Um, my mom was a supporter. She just came to the games, never pushed me real hard, kind of just said she was the mom that, you know, just had fun, just had fun. That was kind of my background growing up. Um, I was a three-sport athlete in high school, played football, basketball, and baseball. I was decently successful in, in pretty much anything I did in athletics. I, was, I had a gift from God to be an athlete, and so I just used it to my advantage. I'm I'm a bigger guy. I graduated high school probably at 6'5", 240 pounds. Could run really fast from that size. I had running back speed. I went on to play for Lou Holtz in football. I had a full scholarship to play for Lou Holtz at the University of South Carolina, where they converted me into an offensive lineman and played redshirt my freshman year there. And from that, my first start was a redshirt freshman um, at the University of Florida when Spurrier was their head coach, Steve Spurrier. Okay. And we were playing for the East, SEC East title. I was a little undersized, about 6'5", 260. Still on the process of gaining weight, where I eventually got about 300 pounds. But 
but had a great career and learned so many things through sports growing up my whole life and just and trying to instill it in kids that I work with today. Yeah, so obviously sports has been a part of your life for pretty much as far back as you can remember. You mentioned playing multiple sports growing up. When did you know or when did you realize that football might be something that you could play at the collegiate level? My mom was one of the pretty protective moms. Um, she didn't. She actually didn't allow me, and, and my dad was on board with it, um, didn't allow me to start playing football until I was in sixth grade. So I played for the local rec league, and then seventh grade I ended up playing for the school league. Okay. Um, I played baseball from the time I was four, basketball from the time I was five. Um, but my mom was so concerned about the contact sport. As I got older, my size kind of, I grew, I was always bigger than everybody that we played in every sport. So as that got on, I just fell in love with football and, and, and kind of played the other sports to keep in shape for football, but enjoyed those as well. And those were the things that I enjoyed playing, but football is what I was focused on probably 10th grade when I first got, got my first offer from Georgia Tech. So you get the offer, you get a recruiting visit. I think I read that you know Lou Holtz comes, recruits you, the whole package. What was what was that process like? The recruiting process, playing for Lou Holtz, the Hall of Famer, won a national championship at Notre Dame. I mean, it had to be a thrill. But give us a little bit more of an insight into that. So I was the year I was getting recruited. Uh, several coaching changes were going going through. Uh, one was the Clemson; they were changing. Um, Tommy Bowden was taken over at Auburn. They had just got rid of the, the Terry Bowden, and they were bringing in Tuberville, and they were recruiting me. And then South Carolina uh, was get, uh, changing over from Brad Scott to Lou Holtz. Well, as soon as Lou Holtz took over, I had an offer from the old staff, and they jumped right in and, and started recruiting me as well. I actually got recruited by who I ended up playing for by a gentleman by the name of Dave DeGuglielmo, who I'll get into him later um, and how much he's inspired my life. Okay. Um, but my brother was the whole guy who got to Carolina was in the ball yeah. time. Uh, well, I played play for Lou Hall. Um, of course, at 17, 18 years old, you're wide-eyed and, and ready for anything. You, you think <laughs> your next stop's the NFL. Sure. Um, you get humbled when you get there, and everybody's either faster, stronger, or, or bigger than you. So they humble you pretty quickly once you get there. But as far as the recruiting process, in, in the human nature, everybody wants to be loved on it. Everybody wants to be wanted. It. And so that's a process for any kid and I always tell any kid to enjoy it enjoy the process because once you get there it's work mm-hmm. um, enjoy being loved on enjoy building relationships with the coaches when you're in school then you know you mentioned obviously the experience of playing college football was a big humbling experience maybe in a lot of ways and you're playing with a lot of guys who are bigger than you are whereas maybe before that you were one of the bigger guys guys on the field and dominating and I don't know was there a moment during that collegiate experience or during a particular season where that dream of playing in the NFL that didn't come to fruition anymore for whatever reason did you realize it at any point or was that something that you were just still kind of laser focused on the entire time well when they were one of the things they would tell them is we'll develop you we'll get you bigger we'll get you stronger and I had, and I didn't have a big weight room program going by high school. We they opened the weight room and we'd work out, but we really didn't know what we were doing. And when I got there and went through the first workout, I was I was humbled because it was it was hard to make it through the first workout and still be standing when you walked out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I'm not sure I signed up for that. 
then to go out and have guys that were future NFLers running past you, I kind of realized, hey, my course is not going to be the NFL. I'm just not good enough. These guys are better than me. Um, the only reason I'm getting on the field right now is because I'm using my brain. I know where to go. I know which way to go. I know the concept of the offense. And um, instead, so I just use my, my brain. And But, yeah, I realized that, hey, I need to make sure my academics is taken care of because my, my future is outside of the football field in my career. By the time I came around my sophomore, junior year, I realized that the NFL was not in my future and that academics needed to take a, a priority, a more of a priority. And um, I was getting into my major classes and kind of figuring out what I really wanted to do in life and, and kind of moved on from there. Uh, once again, I, I got on the field and was a contributor and a starter at times because I understood the offense and I was a smart player. I, not, not so much that I was better than you physically. I was just, I used my brains and, and what I could to contribute to the team. So that must have been, regardless, a tough realization to come through. I mean, from the time you were little, you, you probably had aspirations to play some level of professional sport with some, you know, whether it was baseball, basketball, football, and then you get to play collegiately, you get to play for Lou Holtz, you have a pretty successful stint there, you went back-to-back Outback Bowls, one of the more successful periods in program history. That moment's over, and you have to transition into what most of us go through at some point that life after sports and figuring out what you're going to do, whether that's in the business world or be more involved in the community or with your family. So what was that transition like for you? Was it tough? Did you have people helping you out? Well, I was very fortunate. And one of the lessons I learned in college was not what you know, but and it's not necessarily not what you know, it's who knows you, it's who knows you. Mm-hmm. And um, fortunately, I our, one of a guy, a guy I played with by the name of Eric Kimry had just taken the head coaching job at, a, at the school at Hammond School where I'm at now, and he needed an offensive line guy. And since I was, I played with him, and he knew that I knew the offense well. We were going to run a similar offense here at Hammond, and he was like, "Hey, man, we have a job opening. I want to bring you in to coach our offensive line and teach some physical education. Is that something you'd be interested?" In? So it kind of fell in my lap. I was lucky to still be involved in sports. I was coaching with. One of my teammates, my former teammates, who were friends, we hung out all through college. So the transition of not playing until coaching, it was a little different for me. Yeah, um, it, I, I would almost say it was easier because when you reach college, the college level, college level, it's, it's intense, it's hard work, it's, it's a tough job that is demanding on your body physically. And when you get to the aspect of coaching it, now you, the mental part was easy for me. So I was mm-hmm. able to translate the mental part to the kids that we coach now. And so I really enjoyed the fact that I was able to stay in sports and transition into into the coaching lifestyle. So you mentioned it's in who you know, and that's building relationships. And that's one of, seems like it's one of your pieces of advice for somebody who is transitioning and trying to figure out the next phase in their life, whatever that may look like. What are some other pieces of advice that you might give to somebody who is just finishing up college football or is just finishing up any college sports and looking to move on to the next phase of their life, try to figure that out without really having clear as day idea of maybe what they want to do and and they're struggling a little bit. Do you have some other pieces of advice to share? Yeah. And and that would be put yourself out there. Sometimes some people don't want to put themselves out there, put yourself out there. Sometimes there's things that you don't want to do. But you have to do. You got. You got to go meet people. Go to these socials. Hang out with people. Reach out to people. All the ask. Ask questions. All someone can tell you no. Uh, all, all someone can tell you is no if you ask. Mm-hmm. 
if you ask and they tell you no, then move on to the next thing. But put yourself out there, show that you're a hard worker, and, and you'll find success. Success will find you. But it's all about marketing yourself and getting out there. People, people will hire you if they know you'll work hard and they can trust you. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people if <laughs> the worst thing that can happen, like you said, is somebody says no. If you, well, actually, I, I believe the worst thing that can happen is somebody just ignores you. The, the second worst thing is they say no. And the best thing that can happen is they want to help in whatever way you're reaching out for. But you don't know unless you actually do it. So doing it is the, the hard part, like you mentioned. But yeah, I absolutely agree with that uh, assessment as well. <laughs> now you're in your current role as an athletic director and you know, get to work with student athletes every day. You've gotten to work with them since you made that transition from college into the professional world. When you go to the athletic website for uh, Hammond School, one of the things I noticed is that, and you've already alluded to this a couple of times, that you're looking to ensure that student athletes are learning life lessons and, and you want to teach them how to compete and how to overcome adversity and different things like that. Can you give us some practicality into that, like ways that you actually help the student athletes get through tough moments or learn those life lessons and what those look like to you? One of the things that I have a rule, and, and I put this out, and I'll actually make sure athletes know it because I'll send them messages and, and things like that. My door at the AD is always open up, open to any student athlete at this school. You can come in here and ask me any question you want. I'll give you an answer. Um, I'll help advise you. I'll help if you're struggling with time management, things like that. I'm here to help you. Ultimately, athletics, in my mind, are to help prepare you for the world. The biggest thing I want in a student-athlete is to communicate. I tell our parents and our student-athletes all the time that our coaches are not mind readers. Um, if they were, they'd, they'd be in a different profession. Um, but if you communicate with them, they can work with you because they want to see you succeed. No coach that I've ever been around or played for doesn't want to see their athlete succeed in any way that they can. So communication with that athlete, I mean, with that coach or or parent is, is key to, to the success of all our programs. We don't want the parents communicating. We want the kids to learn to communicate. Mm -hmm. um, we start them at a young age of seventh grade saying, hey, if there's an issue, the player needs to communicate with the coach. Until that happens, then there'll be no conversation with the parent coach or the athletic director and the parent. It's just one of our main focuses of helping a kid prepare for life. But we get them starting sports in sixth grade here, and, and that, that's the first thing that they learn, communicate and commit. This Commitment, and it comes a long way. Obviously, the younger you are, we're a little more lenient, but as you get older, it's commitment, or you can't be at two places at one time. Things we continue to work on every year is the commitment issue, I mean, the commitment piece and the communication piece for our athletes. Talk to me a little bit more about that commitment piece. That's that's interesting to me. Are you talking about... so? Obviously, you know, the definition of commitment, you can't, like you said, can't be in two places at once. Are you talking about just getting them more focused, like when they're on the practice field, like they're at, they're at practice, like that's what they should be focused on? Or what is, I guess, what does that mean in a little bit more depth? And, and it's probably more prioritized. Um, what okay. are your priorities? Don't tell me, don't tell me that your priorities are to be not make every practice, make every lifting session, and then all of a sudden you're missing all the time. That's not commitment. Commitment is you give someone your word and you're going to be there. If you're unable to be there, things pop up. We understand that they're young, they're young adults, and they're they're still learning what the true meaning of commitment is. Then we ask them to communicate. Hey, my mom scheduled me a dentist appointment. Things like that. Hey, 
if you're not commit, if, you, if you're going to miss a commitment that you've made to your team or your school, then you need to communicate to your coach why you missed that commitment. So we kind of time hand in hand. Sure. Um, we have we have kids, and, and we understand that academics is a priority. I mean, Hammond's a high academic institution. We tell all our coaches that they'll have to stay after for some extra help with the teachers and things like that. And we we don't frown on that because that's showing their priority is academics first, and that's what we want it to be. But if you give a coach or a teacher or someone your word, then you need to fulfill that commitment. If you're unable to fulfill that commitment, then you need to communicate to them why. You mentioned the dynamic between parents and players. And I think this is something that so many coaches and so many programs, athletic directors such as yourself, it's a challenge because of various different circumstances. What would you give advice-wise? I mean, are you guys able to, on a consistent basis, are you able to make that work, that communication? And do you have other challenges that pop up that you need to address on a pretty regular basis? Or what does that dynamic look like? And so it all starts with the leadership of the school and the support of the, my boss, which is our headmaster. He is very supportive. He, his, his whole idea of sports is helping kids grow and, and prepare them for the real world. So I have the support of him. And the biggest thing with it all is being consistent. If you're going to have a, a policy, policy that kids need to talk to the coach, when someone talks to you, you have to, it doesn't matter who they are, say, hey, well, has your child talked to the coach? Um, well, let's do that first. And if you can't get it worked out, then we'll all get involved. It's been pretty good. One of my rules in, is that I don't like to beat around the bush. I'm pretty upfront with people. Mm-hmm. And if it may, if the, if the problem keeps occurring and it makes it all the way to me, then we'll sit in a room with me, the coach, and the parent, and we'll work it out. Um, we're all adults. We're all in, in here for the same reason. We want the kid to have a good experience. And we'll get to the bottom of it. And we don't have to, I don't have to go back and forth with the parent, then go to the coach, and the coach tells me one thing. We just get in a room, and, and we're adults, and we discuss it. And, and by the time it gets out of my office, then it, it's usually a problem that's solved. Um, many times it doesn't make to my office, and, and problems get solved. Once again, most problems are based on lack of communication or sure. understanding of the communication. So it all always falls back to, oh, well, I didn't realize that, or, oh, that wasn't communicated to me properly, things like that. So once again, that's why we harp on communication, communication, communication. Quick break to talk about our sponsor, Sweat with Studs. Are you looking to get in better shape without the large investments of time and money that come with the gym membership? Sweat with Stods Hit at Home program is the answer for you. Hit at Home is a downloadable PDF that guides you through one month of five workouts per week that don't require any equipment. And if you love to hit at home, there's also a version two with totally new workouts. As a loyal listener to the pod, you can get $10 off each of these programs with the code DYNAMIC, which brings the cost down to $20 per program. Go to www.sweatwithstods.com, put in that DYNAMIC code at checkout, and figure out what you can do with $20 in 30 days. And now back to the pod. What's the best part of your job, would you say? Uh, well, I got three parts okay. I would tell you. One, I love the people I work with. My our head football coach is one of my college buddies, and so he, he's one of my friends, so I work with my friend. One of my assistants is my college roommate's wife, and I was in their wedding. So, so I get to work with my friends, so that would be one of my favorite things. The other favorite thing, probably my most favorite thing, is, is interacting with the kids. I love to hear different stories. Everybody's got a story. They're all different. It doesn't matter what school you go to. 
everybody's raised in different backgrounds. And so I love to hear everybody's stories and listen to them. And, and I learn things every day from these kids, um, just trying to get involved in their lives and, and make a difference in their lives. And the third thing I would say is the administration here, the support that the support of the administration and the administration has uh, communicate to our parents of what we're in it for and, and how it's to prepare you for life and athletics is not extracurricular, but co-curricular. It's kind of amazing. It puts you in a good seat as, as, as the athletic director. Yeah, that's got to be an amazing feeling for you just to know that you have that foundational backing and can really install those things on a regular basis without having to worry about any friction or any pushback. And there's just a lot of support. That's got to be a, a really amazing feeling knowing that the entire administration is backing what your values are and what you're trying to do with the student athletes. Right. And I think in order to have a, a successful athletic department or academics or parks areas, you have to have, everybody has to be on the same page in the administration. And, and I think we have that here at Hammond. I want to go back. I'm interested to learn about what your perspective on this is, especially knowing how college football in particular is changing. But you took a redshirt year as a college freshman, and I think I read somewhere and you even talked about it earlier in this conversation about how you used it as time to get a little bit bigger, maybe learn the offense a little bit more, get more acquainted with everything. In today's college football world, there are so many, especially the high-level recruits that just kind of want to come in and do the one and done, for lack of a better phrase, that they do in college basketball. They want to come in, right. start as freshmen, take their three years, get to the NFL, get their payday. And I'm not necessarily sure that that is the right route for everybody. I'm not saying to not do it and to not go get your money if that's what your aspirations are and you can do that. But I just wonder from your perspective, knowing what you learned and the experience that you went through with that red shirt year, how important it may have been to your development. What could you say to an 18 year old who's got these glossy eyes and is looking towards the future just to maybe have them take a step back and reflect and say, Oh, there, there can be some good coming out of being patient. Right. What, what I tell all, all the athletes is listen, when you go to college, it's a business. You're going to work hard. Their job as coaches is always to recruit someone better than you. And so they're going to go out and try to replace you every single year with, if you don't work hard. So, so you enjoy the time you're there. Enjoy what you, what you'll have is, is camaraderie you'll make with all your teammates, things like that. Enjoy, enjoy the ride. If, if you're good enough by your junior year, your coach will be honest with you. Um, I think coaches are pretty good and upfront with kids. I think when agents get in their ears, some of these kids' ears, they hear different terms. But everybody's dream, everybody asks me all the time, well, what were you going to major in when you were going to college? I said the NFL. Because I think when you're getting told, when you're getting recruited by all these schools, they're telling you how good you are. And so eventually when you hear it enough, you buy into it. Only then to find out that, you know what, they're telling everybody this to get them there. And so once you're there, you have to work to maintain the opportunity to be great. So enjoy the ride. Some people it takes five years. Some people it takes, I mean, even though, the transferring is getting out of control. Even it, sometimes it takes you to transfer to another school with a different opportunity. You go your route and be you, and everything will work into place as long as you work. Stick to your core values, work hard, and you're committed, and you give it everything you got. Absolutely, and I tend to agree that I think coaches, for the most part, want to put kids in the best position to succeed and will give them the right information. I mean, that's what you hope for, right? 
I just right. I just worry that getting on the field right away and participating as much as often and burning that red shirt so that you can get all that experience when waiting might be one of the best things for you. It's got to be a hard, I, I can't even imagine being a division one athlete these days and having to kind of weigh everything and, and together. That's why you're seeing so many transfers and the transfer portals open sure. up, whatever that is. And, and kids are, kids don't want to wait their turn anymore. We deal with that in high school sports. It's we, we dealt with it a while back and we have a great football program here, but we had, we built the program where if you're 11th and 12th grader, you get a lot of playing time. If you're a 10th grader, you usually are the scouting guys. And so we were losing a lot of kids that say, oh, well, I'm going to play my ninth grade year, but on JV. And then in 10th grade, I'm going to quit and then come back my 11th grade year. It did trickle down into the high school level. People don't want to wait their time. And I can understand that because they've been the star and that's all they've known to be the star. They haven't understood how not to be the star. So is there any practical way that you've been able to discover to – combat that a little bit and to get those so for example to get those kids who say they're going to quit that sophomore year and come back their junior year I mean is there a way to save these kids or is it something that you think is so ingrained in them at such an early age that by the time they get to that point it might be a lost cause I think it can be both I think ultimately I think kids at that age if they know they're not going to play you better build a relationship with them what I've learned in in my profession and, and my coach taught me this is one of the reasons I gave it my all in college was if you build a relationship with a kid, he'll run through a wall for you. Most kids want to please and they want to satisfy. And if you have a relationship, they can't look you in the eye and disappoint you. Mm-hmm. So building a relationship would be my answer is, hey, how do you get the kids not to quit? Hey, man, build that relationship. Be there. Open your door. Need to talk because it's going to be a rough year. So and just be honest with us. Hey, it's going to be a rough year. Come by and talk with me. It's going to be hard, but you know what? It's going to pay off in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And you never know what could happen. I mean, things change moment to moment. Uh, if you're in season or even off season, injuries change a lot of things. So I'm more, I lean towards that individual who would want them to be patient and to buy into more of that team concept. But I, I can also be realistic and understand, you know, the other side of it as well. It's just an interesting dynamic for sure. Right. All right, so you talked to us about Lou Holtz and what that experience was like. Give us Do some name-dropping. Who are some of the greatest players that you ever played with? And give us some reasons as to why. Well, I, the, first of all, the guy I played for, his name was Dave DeGuglielmo. Um, he went by Coach Cooch. He was actually, he just got let go by the Indianapolis Colts. So he's made his way through the, his career in, in the NFL. Taught me a lot. Actually, he, he's a big aspect of, me becoming a man um, held me accountable for the smallest things that you would think were minute, but he, he made it a point to show, and, and you didn't know it at the time, mm-hmm. but to show that he cared that much about you that the smallest things were important to him that you were successful at. To this day, I, I still have a great relationship with him. I talk to him probably once a month. Um, you're talking about a guy who's in the NFL and doesn't have much time to do anything. <laughs> um, he's won two Super Bowl rings, um, once one with the Giants and one with... Maybe the Patriots. Okay. He, he's a guy that I owe a lot to in my life. Other guys I played with, and, and these guys are, and I say this all the time, what makes you this this good? And, and yeah, hard work is, but God gives you God gives you this, and, and genetics give you this. And, and these guys that I'm about to name are genetic mutants who are, who are the nicest guys in the world, but they are just that talented. They have the size, speed, 
everything. So guys that I played with, Travell Wharton, he was the left tackle, the left guard for the Panthers for probably 10 seasons, played for the Bengals uh, for a couple of those seasons, but most of his career was with the Panthers, played offensive line, um, one of my good buddies. John Abraham played in the NFL for many years, played for the uh, Jets and the Falcons. I'm talking about a guy who's just a freak. He's six foot Six foot four, two hundred and seventy pounds around the four three forty played defensive end. Wow. I remember he was a guy I had to block when I was on the scout team my freshman year. And <laughs> he would just run right past me and yeah. I couldn't even get a handle on him. Um Sheldon Brown played in the NFL for many years for the for the Eagles. Very good, good player for them. You can look up uh, one of his hits on Reggie Bush on YouTube. Pretty amazing. Nice. And a guy who actually coaches with us now at Hammond, his uh, son goes here, his name's Andre Goodman. Nicest guy incredibly fast, blew his knee out in college, came back faster uh, after reconstructing knee surgery, uh, ended up playing in the NFL for like 12 years, played for the Dolphins and the Broncos. So those are some of the guys that I played with. Other guys that coached on that that uh, team, all been head coaches, Charlie Strong, who's at South Florida now, head coach at Louisville at the time, Texas. He was our defensive coordinator at the time. Then I spoke of Gooch, who's been in the NFL. Um, Skip Holtz, who has been a head coach at East Carolina and other places. So I, we had a good, good little staff and, and guys and, and the camaraderie we built with those guys. And, and we still stay in touch with a lot of those guys is, is something that I treasure most about my college career. Yeah. You could probably put together a pretty good book on, uh, you know, Lou, Skip, Charlie, uh, you know, all those coaches that you just went through and the experiences that they've had. I'm sure they could teach us all a lot about uh, coaching and building relationships. Absolutely. <laughs> One more quick break. I want to talk about my second sponsor, Taylor Digital. Taylor Digital is a virtual design company that helps solopreneurs get established online with a cohesive image so they can feel more confident in their business. Taylor Digital offers branding, social media design, and Squarespace website design. My website, www.talent409.com, that was done by Taylor Digital. She's awesome. It's not going to look girly if you're a guy. Don't worry about that. But if you are a girl and you want it to look girly, she can do that for you too. Go to taylordigital.com to set up your free consultation today. That's Taylor, T-A-Y-L-A-R. I didn't name her. Her parents did. And now back to the pot. Not to go dark here uh, in the conversation, but adversity is obviously a part of sports. It's a part of life. Can you give us a moment of adversity, either on or off the field, as you were growing up and becoming a man, as you put it earlier, that maybe helped define where you got to you go and, and how you got to, to this point? Well, I think it was my sophomore year, and, and I'd gotten, I probably played in eight games, eight of 11 games my freshman year, so I was I was still fighting to compete, and going into my, I think it was 10th grade year, um, I was battling it out with a guy, a friend of mine, at, uh, at, for the right tackle position at Carolina, and um, Coach Holtz called me into his office and said, hey Jeff, here's the deal, we know that you can play all the other positions, so we're going to make you our sixth man. He said, I think you're probably good enough to start a tackle, but we're going to make you our sixth man, and you're going to play in every game. You'll probably play as many snaps as the starters, but this is what's best for the team. Um, is this something interesting, or you can keep battling right there? I said, Coach, I'll do whatever. You name me to as a team, I'm just excited to play. Uh, you know, all the all the 
things that you want to hear from athletes about being a team player. Well, we go in to play Virginia the first week, and I don't see the field mm-hmm. after I've been told this. And so I, I'd made up my mind I was quitting. I was like, listen, I just got tricked, this, that, and the other. This isn't what I signed up for. I'm transferring or I'm quitting. And so I went and talked to my mom, went to tears. She said, and she was the same mom that I had growing up. Hey, you do what you need to do. Um, I'll support you either way. Um, I went to Gooch, who once again made a huge impact on my life. She said, hey, I think this is the reason, the way I'm going. Um, at the time, he was the guards and centers, tackles and tight ends coach. And he's like, listen, you be you. You keep doing what you're supposed to do. And things will work out for you. He said, I promise you. He said, I got your back. You know that. He said, I'm going to be hard on you and I'm going to push you. But I got your back. And thank God I had that conversation with him because he was a, he was someone I trusted in that building relationship. And from that point on, what I was told was right. I played in every single game. I was able to be the team player that they had asked me to be and, and kind of moving forward. But once again, it took communication with the coach at the time to explain to me, hey, they didn't need me for that game. They may need me later on the road and, and just know my role and this is my role. And he was honest with me. So um, that was kind of a turning point in my career at USC is, hey, I'm going to stick it out here. I'm not going to transfer. I could go to a smaller school and be the man. But you know what? This is where I want to be, and this is who I want to play for. And so that's kind of what kind of was a turning point for me at USC. That's a great story. Very, very cool. Love to hear that relationship that you had built and how it just helped you shift your mindset on everything. And, you know, obviously, I think you look back now and you're really happy with that decision, right? Absolutely. And, and I treasure the relationship I have with that coach still. And even the guys I played with, I mean, we still, it's an amazing bond that you have that you continue. You, you cannot talk to, like, I got roommates that I haven't talked to in two years, and I see them at a Carolina tailgate, South Carolina tailgate, and we pick up right where we left off. And my <laughs> wife's like, y'all are the weirdest people. But it's just one of those things that's, hey, this is just the bond we formed, and, and it's like we're in the locker room again as soon as we see each other. So it's something I really, really cherish, um, just being part of the team atmosphere. Sure. So I want to transition that you mentioned your wife and you know having a family of your own now. Has your perspective on what your expectations are for your kids in athletics or any extracurricular activities throughout their lives, has that changed from when you were growing up to how you see it now? And what I guess what is your mindset and your approach to how you want your kids to approach sports or to approach, like I said, any extracurricular activity? Right. It's one of those things. I'm a, I think my dad did a great job, and he, he was very, very hard on me. He was very involved. He, he coached the teams, things like that. And As I went through college, I was thankful that I had a dad that was real hard on me and prepared me because the college coaches are hard on you, and, mm-hmm. um, and I was excited about that. And then I became into my profession, and I look at working with kids, and I see the outsiders – they can't let it go, that want to be that, that dad who's hard on them all the time and things like that and let it enjoy them. And like I said earlier, I said, you're you're given a get, skill from from God or, or your DNA that allows you to be a Division One athlete. You you can either run a 4-4, you can't have a guy that runs a 5-0-40 and train him to be a 4-4. That, that's just not possible. Either you're fast and you can get a little bit faster or you're slow. And, and it's one of those things that with my kid, but my kids, my little boy plays. I ask him what he wants to play. I go to his games. I don't coach him. I, if he wants me to work with him, I'll work with him. I make him ask me because I'm not going to push him to something that he doesn't want to do. Um, he loves sports because he's always around it. Mm-hmm. But 
I, I, I make, I let other people coach him. I give him other perspective, perspective. And it, it wouldn't matter if I was Mike Krzyzewski. He's not going to listen to me when I tell him. <laughs> like anybody, <laughs> anybody's kid, he wants to hear it from somebody else because I'm just dad. <laughs> and, um, and I'm okay with being just dad. Like, hey, you want me to come throw your bat in practice? I'll throw it. If you don't, we won't. We'll go, we'll go do something else. So I, I wanted to be a kid and, and I got a daughter who's not started yet, but I'll give her the same thing. And I got a, a four, uh, three month old. When it's his time to start playing sports, if that's what he wants to do, that's what we'll do. And, and we'll do, I'm there to support and help when they won't help and let the other people ultimately coach him up. And if they have any, if they have any questions, I'm here to support and I'm dad. And, and, and at school, we have uh, here at Hammond and Will Muschamp's old, old two kids go here, and, and he's the same way. I learned a lot from watching Will Muschamp, too. He sits back, lets his kids be his kids, doesn't get on them, and, and lets us coach them. So sure. just learning different perspectives and style of parenting has been great just being in this role. I want to uh, transition another question here. Uh, this one's a little bit more difficult, I think, sometimes for people to define. And I'll give you some time to think about it if you need it. But you've obviously had a lot of different experiences and successes and challenges. And you've grown a lot over the years. But when you have to define success, what does success look like? And how do you define it to other people? Success to me is the relationships you build with people. That's what life's about to me, um, having relationships, because you're going to go through ups and downs in your life, and those relationships are, are going to be what, what you lean on. The first person I lean on is my wife. We always go back to the, the sporting aspect. We're a team, um, and, and teams are going to have, have ups and downs, and, and you're going to have ups and downs in life, and, and you need relationships to bring you out of this funk. If you're down, and my advice to people is if you're down, surround yourself with people that you love or that love you that you love being around. They'll put a smile on your face. They, they love you. And if you're able to be well-liked, and, and you don't have to, you're not going to make everybody well-liked and respected. You're not going to make everybody happy, especially in the job I'm in. <laughs> but hopefully I, I get respect from people and know that I care about their kids. And so ultimately, success to me is the relationships you built that will last a lifetime. At Talent 409, we define dynamic leaders as people that lead on and off the field. Have you come across somebody in your own life who you consider a dynamic leader? And if so, can you tell us a little bit about that person? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll keep reverting back to my college football coach. Yeah. He was a guy who I've learned things, not the way I, I wouldn't do things and the way I would do things. And one of the major, he would get on the field, he would get the best out of you. It didn't matter how he did it. If you were a guy that needed to be pressed, yelled at, talked too loudly, he was going to do it that way. If he was, if you were a guy that would just tank if he yelled at you, things like that, he found a way on each individual to get the best out of them. When you were off the field, you knew he had your back. He, he would go, he'd come eat lunch with you, he, he'd hang out with you, he'd call you, he, he'd send you text messages. He would just build that relationship of trust off the field so that you would give everything you had when you were on the field for him. And and that was kind of the relationship we had in, when I was in college. I knew off the field that he was my guy. I could go to him with anything, any personal thing, anything, and he would give me good advice. But I knew on the field that he was going to push me out of my comfort zone. He was going to get the max out of me. And he knew he had – and I was one of those guys, he knew he had to stay on to get the best out of me. He's a guy 
that I would say has always been a dynamic leader in my life, especially in my life. And I, and I've watched him have an impact on many, many others that I played with through the same ways of teaching. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I know you've obviously referenced him multiple times throughout this conversation. So I'm not surprised that uh, he was your person of choice for that. <laughs> but I want to uh, just wrap up here. I know we're starting to run low on time, but I want to give you an opportunity to just talk about if there's anything happening at Hammond that you want to shout out or uh, give us an idea of any new exciting things going on in your world. Yeah, we're just every year we're trying to get better at what we do. We set goals facility wise here at Hammond. We're trying to improve every year, give our kids the best facility to succeed. We try to teach, and as far as the kids, we're, we try to develop them into young adults. We push that, as we talked earlier, on, on the commitment and communication piece. Um, it's a constant battle as we as we move, but it, it's something going in the right direction, and, and and kids are getting it, and so and parents are getting it. So that's something. We were excited about the school in general is a great place. Like my, my little boy goes here, high academic standards. So just a, a lot of good things going on here. Kids are excited to be part of sports. Uh, we built a wellness initiative, so now we have all our kids in the weight room twice, at least twice a week. So, which a lot of schools struggle with getting that process going, but we've been able to get it. Our kids have bought in. Things are going in the right direction, and we're successful on the standard of sports on the field. We we win a lot more than we lose, um, but ultimately. My door, like I said earlier, my door's always open for kids, and I have kids come in all the time talking. So that's a win for me and, and for our school that kids feel open enough to come talk to me and ask advice and get prepared for whatever they need to in life. Absolutely. And if there's any coaches or athletic directors or maybe even in kids that are looking some for some advice based off something they heard today, is there any way that they can easily get in touch with you or easily enough? I, I don't want them to – bang down the door at your house but <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i'm open uh they can email me jbarnes at hammondschool.org i'm open they can I, i'll call them um i'm always looking to help that's one thing we do within our, our region our conferences we help each other and once again we build relationships that enable that and um it's not we love we're just as competitive as the next person we're also in it to make sure the kids have a great experience uh when we play each other Awesome. I'll make sure I get that email into the show notes so it's easy for people to reference that if they do want to get in touch with you, Jeff. But I just want to say thank you again so much for taking time today. I know how busy you are and I know how much you've got going on, not only with school, but in your personal life as well. And so we appreciate you taking some time to hop on the pod and tell a little bit of your story today. I appreciate you having me. Thanks again to Jeff for hopping on the pod today and for that great conversation. It was Again, great to have somebody who's an athletic director at a high school come in with a unique perspective and talk about some of the things that I talk about pretty often here on the podcast. Appreciate Jeff's time. It was a fun conversation. We have another really awesome conversation scheduled for next week, a new guest. So stay tuned for that. Thanks again to our sponsors, Sweat with Stods and Taylor Digital. And of course, thanks to you, the listeners, for making this pod possible in the first place.